may be seated. Let's begin tonight by looking at the Old Testament book of Psalms. We'll begin here and then make our way to the New Testament as well. Psalm chapter 23. I think you're familiar with that. Psalm 23. We've been, well, we started, I suppose, last week beginning to consider what the Bible says about a Christian leader. And there's a lot of different ideas in the world today about what a Christian leader is or who a Christian leader ought to be. And uh, we want to look at God's Word about it. We looked last week at the very important subject of a Christian leader ought to be a servant. Jesus said the greatest amongst us, the chiefest amongst us, will be servant of all. It's a totally different way of looking at leadership than the world looks at leadership. The world measures greatness and leadership by how many people serve you. We might say, oh, well, Imre, he's a very good leader. He has a hundred people working for him. Wow. But the scriptures measure, God measures leadership, not by how many people serve you, but how many people you serve, how many lives you're touching and reaching. And today we're going to look at another aspect. I stood twice this week, once Sunday afternoon and once Monday afternoon at the graveside of, of someone who had passed on. One Sunday afternoon in Teddington Cemetery in London, and then Monday afternoon in Reading. And I stood with some families who were bereaved and mourning the loss of someone that they loved. And uh, this is a psalm that's often read at the graveside, isn't it? Psalm 23. Some of you know it by heart. It's perhaps the most well-known, most famous psalm in all of the Scripture. Maybe one of the most famous chapters. The Lord is my shepherd. Tonight, that is the subject of our conversation. When we think about Christian leadership, then our great example is Jesus Christ himself. We don't look to man. Although we admire some many men who have gone on before us in the days that have gone by, we talk about the great Charles Spurgeon and we rejoice about George Whitfield, and we get excited about men like John Knox who had such a backbone he could stand up against the queen herself, and we admire people like this, but they are not our example. We like people who are uh, fierce and men and women of conviction. We get excited about people like this, but they're not our example. Our example is Jesus Christ, and in the Old Testament itself, we find this pattern. The Lord is my shepherd. Would you look this way for just a moment tonight? Would you look this way? Every one of you tonight have a shepherd. Whether you like to admit it or not. All of us have a shepherd. Now listen to the words of this short psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Here's why I say that everybody has a shepherd. Because all of us are following someone. All of us are being led by someone. I'm my own, I'm my own, I'm a self-made man. I don't follow anybody. Wrong. You are being led by your nose and you don't even realize it. You're following someone. You're being led by someone. He leadeth me. In the paths, the scriptures tell us, He lead me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Do you know the Lord Jesus 
the difference between his leadership and the leadership of the world is that he leads us, the scriptures say, besides still waters, and he restores our soul. His leadership brings restoration to our soul, while Satan's leadership, leadership of this world, does not restore your soul, it destroys your soul. And the majority of the world today are being led by the nose, they put a ring in their nose, and they're being led by the world to destruction of their own soul. They don't even realize it. The Lord Jesus leads us, and if He's leading you, He will restore your soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, whereas the world leads us in the paths of wickedness. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. Now let me ask you tonight, who is your shepherd? You say, well, the Lord's my shepherd. Well, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to know Him. You can't really say the Lord's your shepherd if you don't really know Him. Now, I want you to hold your place there, but I want you to turn as well to a New Testament portion, 1 Peter, if you would please. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we find this very same title given in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you remember, we looked at 1 Peter 2, half of the chapter dealing with who we are in Christ and what we have in the Savior. But when we come to the end of the chapter, we find it referring to our dear Savior. Really, uh, let's begin reading in, in verse number 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Now, uh, mark that little phrase, ye should follow his steps. You're following someone. You're following somebody's steps. Children are, are, are amazing. I love to watch children. And I, like, I love it when my children follow me to some degree. I love it when they follow me, when they walk where I walk and they try to stand like I stand and maybe they try to use a tool. I, I went out, we were doing a little bit of work on the house and I went out today and there was Paxton. He had my drill in his hand and he was drilling the, the block paving outside. Now, now, that's not quite what you use a drill for, but at least he had the concept in mind, pull the trigger point, and uh, he's trying to follow. And here we have the instruction, the command, ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were, ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. The shepherd of your soul. That's what we're looking at tonight. The Lord is my shepherd. And I repeat... Every mark of a Christian leader can be traced, perfectly found, and demonstrated in Jesus Christ. If you want to be a good Christian leader, then you're going to have to know who Jesus is 
and learn him and follow him. If you want an example, then stop looking at man and start looking at Jesus. The greatest example of all of what a Christian leader ought to be. We look at businessmen and CEOs today and successful people. We look at athletes and make them our idols and our models. But our great model, especially for leadership, is Christ himself. He is, as Peter says, the shepherd of our souls. In the same book, 1 Peter chapter 5, we're told, we're referred to again, uh, the Lord Jesus as not just the shepherd of our souls, but the Bible says in verse number 4, when the chief shepherd shall appear. He's the chief shepherd, meaning he's the number one shepherd. And so we learn much about what is expected of Christian leadership, especially in the church, in the body of Christ, by looking at some of the titles found in the Word of God. And the title we look at tonight is the title Shepherd, which is exactly the same word as pastor. Familiar with the word pastor? That's one that we use, affectionately use. I think most people uh, who understand the term recognize that pastor is simply uh, another word for shepherd. It means both the same word in the original language. Shepherd is a pastor. I have a friend who I meet in, in the open air. He's come to the, the meetings a few times throughout the years. But every time he sees me, he hugs me and he says, Hello, church shepherd. That's what he calls me, church shepherd. And uh, it's a term of endearment, but that's what pastor means, a shepherd. And so tonight we're going to look at this because we're considering Christian leadership in the church. And you'll find in the New Testament that there are many titles that refer in many ways to the same position or person. And this is one of them. In fact, you find two of the titles in that one verse in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, shepherd and bishop of our souls, pastor and overseer of our souls, which is Christ Jesus. And he is the ultimate picture and fulfillment of what, what Christian leaders in the church are trying to be. He's the head of the church. He is in all things, he should in all things have the preeminence. So let's talk about the shepherd and bishop of your soul. In the New Testament, the word shepherd or pastor uh, is found 18 times, although 17 times it's translated as shepherd, only one time as pastor. Same word. This is where we get the word, the title of pastor, literally a shepherd. In the Old Testament, the word is raw, which is found 173 times. Interesting. 63 times it is translated as shepherd, eight times as pastor in the Old Testament. So the New Testament role of a pastor in the church is nothing more than an extension of Old Testament responsibility. It's a very vivid picture. Now we're told oftentimes when it comes to uh, us as Christians, the Lord looks at us as animals sometimes. Some of us act like animals. But what is the one animal that we oftentimes, we find in the scripture that, that we as God's children oftentimes almost perfectly describe this. Anybody know, shout it out, what animal we're often like? Sheep. Sheep. And sheep need a shepherd. And our shepherd is Christ. The Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of our soul. And I wonder tonight, who is your shepherd? Who's leading you? Who are you following? That's a good question. Who are you following? Let me give you a few verses. In the Old Testament, we find very clearly that this word is not just referring to somebody who leads a bunch of sheep or goat, goats out in the wilderness, but this is a reference to those who are leading God's people. 
Even in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 2, in verse number 8, we find the first reference of the word pastor, you could say. Uh, in Jeremiah 2, verse number 8, listen to this verse. The priest, Jesus is speaking against the children of God. The priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal, walked after the things that do not profit. There are four different titles given to religious leaders in that one verse. Priests, those that handle the law, pastors, and prophets. It's interesting, pastors is one of those titles given to somebody who leads the people of God. Priests is another one. Uh, Paul and I, Paul Reachon and I had a, uh, at a Bible study the other day. Didn't, we didn't intend for it to be a Bible study, but it ended up being, those are the best kind of Bible studies, I think. And he was talking about in the scriptures how the word in the title priest came long before God instituted the Aaronic priesthood. We sometimes think that began with Aaron, and, uh, but even before then they were priests. In fact, every man is a priest in his own home. Every man. Men, you have the awesome responsibility of leading your family to God of interceding on behalf of your family to God. So in a sense, you could even say it like this. Men, every one of us are shepherds, pastors in our own homes. We ought to be leading our own little flock closer and closer to the Lord Jesus. The shepherd, a pastor, is someone who leads the people of God. In chapter 3, verse number 15, we find again, and I will give you, God says, I will give you pastors according to my heart. A true Christian leader, pastor, shepherd, ought to have the heart of God. If he doesn't, he's got no business leading anybody. The heart, I'll give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And we find one of the first ideas of what a shepherd ought to do. He ought to feed the flock, not entertain the flock. Are you listening? Most, many churches today are nothing more than entertainment sessions. That's it. Tell a few jokes. Tickle the old intellect. Let's have a grand old time. But they're not getting, people are not getting fed. Have you ever sat down for a meal before and you just couldn't seem to get topped up? This didn't seem to quite hit the spot. Well, that's what happens with a lot of people. They go to church and they expect to be fed spiritually. But instead of being fed spiritually, they're being fed a load of Rice Krispies, which don't really last. My mother used to say that to me growing up. I always wanted cereal, especially the sh most sugary kind of cereal I could get. My mother said it won't last. You need something that'll stick to your ribs, she'd tell me, like a bowl of porridge or something. Something that'll last me more than an hour. You eat a bowl of Rice Krispies and an hour later you're hungry again. That's what most people get when they come into many churches today. They're not being fed. But a shepherd ought to feed the people of God. And the scriptures say, I'll give you shepherds who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. We ought to come into a meeting. The word of God ought to be opened. We ought to be given truths from God's word. And not just information, but we should be made to understand it. We should hear something from God's Word and not just hear it, but begin the penny begin to drop. That's an evidence and a mark that somebody is indeed a shepherd with the heart of God. We're failing. We're missing, missing the mark if we don't have that. 
The shepherd ought to feed. That's exactly what Peter says. We read it a moment ago. That's what Peter says in, in chapter 5 and verse number 2. In verse number 1, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Interesting, in two verses, you have three, the most, perhaps the most uh, prominent three titles of a Christian leader in the New Testament. Elder, shepherd, and bishop. All in two verses. The elders, verse 2, feed the flock, reference to a shepherd, and oversight. That's what a bishop is, an overseer. So you have these titles which describe, they do more of describing what a man is to do and how he is to live than it is necessarily about three separate titles, if that makes sense. But we ought to feed people. I love this. Do you remember what, what Jesus said to Peter after Peter had denied the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you, ever have you ever denied the Savior? Have you ever turned your back on the Lord? Have you ever been embarrassed of Him, ashamed of Him, gone the way you shouldn't have gone, and then felt so crushed by your own conviction of your own sin that you didn't even know if you could come back to the Lord? That's where Peter was. And the Lord Jesus met him in that position. On that sea, on the shore of Galilee, Peter saw him from the boat, jumped into the water, swam to shore as quickly as he could, and Jesus had a meal waiting for him, some fish that had been cooked on an open fire. Then they had this conversation. So when they had dined, when they had eaten, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Lord, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now, if you remember, Peter was the disciple that was always listed at the top of the list of the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, always. In fact, in I think Matthew's account, it says Peter, the first being Peter. And that word first is protos, meaning the preeminent one, the first one, the one who led. Peter led, sometimes he led the wrong way. Remember when the Lord died? He said, I go fishing. And there went seven, six others with him. He was a leader. And the Lord Jesus knew that he was a leader. And sometimes he wasn't a very good leader. That's the truth about every man. And he had denied the Lord. He had fallen on his face. He had failed the Savior after he told him, I'll never forsake you. I'll never deny you. And Peter said, though they killed me, I'll never forsake you. Yet he did. And the Lord Jesus now is reinstating him into ministry, into leadership. By the way, that gives us hope, doesn't it? When we stumble and fall, when we fail the Lord, it doesn't mean it's all over. Lovest thou me, feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said it unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, then feed my sheep. The one evidence that a shepherd loves the great shepherd is that he feeds the sheep. A pastor, if he's not feeding the flock, it is an evidence that perhaps he's not loving the great shepherd himself. There's a disconnect. 
Because if he really loved the Savior, he might hear the Savior say, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Are you saying that these pastors don't love Jesus? Well, I'm just saying to you that if they did love the Savior, they would feed the flock. But I'm afraid that oftentimes shepherds and pastors love the praise of people more than the praise of God. Because it isn't popular sometimes to feed the sheep. It isn't popular to give people uh, understanding of the Word, to give people food, meat of God's Word. It's not popular. But a true shepherd will feed the flock of God. A true shepherd, I believe as well, according to our text in Psalm chapter 23, a true shepherd will lead the flock. He will lead. And Christian leadership in a church has got to be just that, the ability to lead. You're not a very good shepherd if you can't lead the flock. Some people say, well, uh, that's not my gift. My gift is I'm, I'm gifted in this particular area. But a shepherd has to lead. Has to. If you, what good is it if you've got a bunch of sheep, but you can't get them from point A to point B? Maybe it's okay for the moment, and they eat all the grass there, but when all the grass is gone, then what are you going to do? When you've got 99, 100 sheep going in 100 different directions, and you can't lead them. No power, no ability to round up the sheep together and say, together we're going somewhere. A shepherd has to lead. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me, what's the way that the Lord leads? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Do you know sometimes a sheep has to be made to lay down? Because they just won't stop. They just won't sit down. That's the way we all are. I'm, I'm that way. Sometimes the Lord has to, has to do something to get me to stop. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Why? Because that's exactly where, that's exactly where they need to drink. Somebody once said this, that it had to be still waters. Because running waters would cause all sorts of difficulty for sheep. He knows exactly where they need to drink. He knows where to lead them to get the drink. He leadeth me beside still waters. Not only that, but he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Obviously, our Lord and Savior is our great shepherd, but every under-shepherd ought to be able to follow in the footsteps of Christ and how they lead the flock. That's why we talked last week about a shepherd, about a Christian leader being a servant because our Savior came not to be ministered to, but to give his life a ransom for many. He leadeth me. That's the mark of a Christian leader. He must be able to lead. Feed, lead. I'm not trying to rhyme. It just happened to be that way in the first two. Here's another very interesting one. Visit. Shepherd must visit the sheep. What do I mean by that? He's got to know his sheep. He's got to check his sheep. He can't just... Lounge back and count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ninety-nine there, there's all my... He's got to know them. Not are they there, not just are they there, but are they healthy? Not just do I have all the sheep, but are all the sheep okay? Let's be honest, you can sit, you can sit beneath a tent like this and not be okay. Just because you're under the tent doesn't mean you're a healthy sheep. Just like, just because you put your car in a garage doesn't mean it's a good running car. But a shepherd has to visit his sheep. He's got to know his sheep. 
In fact, you find that very clearly in, in Psalm 23 about he restoreth my soul. Well, how do you restore someone's soul if you don't know their soul needs to be restored? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Many shepherds aren't with the people of God. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Some beautiful pictures there. Oil, a picture of the Spirit of God, an anointing, but also oil in those days was used as a protective salve over the ears, the places on the sheep's head that they couldn't get to. Protection of the Spirit of God, the work of a shepherd helping to look after the sheep and caring for the sheep uh, gently and very carefully. Sheep are very uh, frightened animals. That's why they've got to be led to still waters, quiet waters. They're very easily frightened. And the shepherd's got to lead in, in a proper way. He's got to visit those sheep and know exactly uh, which ear is, is, is injured and needs a bit of oil. That rod and staff is used as comfort to lead and steer and guide. I love what Jesus says in Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 is one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. It, it, it holds my favorite um, parable, the parable of the prodigal son. But it is preceded by two shorter parables, the first one being of the lost sheep. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Do you know, I, I sometimes have a conflict in my own heart. In my, and I wish sometimes you could, you could see the battle in my own mind and heart sometimes. And I'll... I'll look out on a Sunday or a Wednesday night and I can scan quickly and I can tell who's here and who's not here. And then I begin to wonder, why isn't this person here? Did I say something? What was the, what did their face look like the last time they were in the meeting? And I begin to wonder. And it bothers me sometimes. Or sometimes I, I, people will come and they're coming for a good while, two, three, four months, and then they're gone again. And and it's a pattern up and down and back and forth. And as a pastor, I have this, I'm not, I'm not going after them again. I'm not doing it. They know how to, they know how to be a Christian. They know how to live their life. I can't, I've got better things to do. I can't keep going after the same person over and over again. And then I hear this. Which one of you have, having 90, 100 sheep, having, having 99 and one goes astray, doth not leave the 99 and go after them? I have this conflict constantly in my heart and mind. Because I know but if I'm going to ever, ever follow my Savior, then I've got to go after the lost sheep. It does my heart good to hear men say, pray for the backslidden. Look, how many days are you and I backslidden? Just because we're still dressed the same and go to the meetings doesn't mean we're not backslidden. You know, we're just one day away from, from not being in the meeting sometimes. But a shepherd, especially following the pattern of our Lord and Savior, visits the sheep. Knows his sheep and goes after the sheep. Ezekiel, oh, this, the, the prophet Ezekiel speaks about shepherds a lot. But Ezekiel chapter, let me read this for you if I can please. Ezekiel 34, just a couple of verses here. Verse 11 to 16, listen to these words. It's, this is a chapter filled with words about the shepherds. Look at verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Can I tell you one of the greatest problems in Christian ministry today is that Christian ministers, so-called shepherds and pastors, use a position 
leadership position to feed themselves rather than feed the flock of God. That is a crime of the highest degree. It's an abomination in the eyes of God that a shepherd would use the position of leadership to feed himself. You eat the fat and clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened. That's a, that's a responsibility of the shepherd. If a, if a sheep is sick and ill, go take care of it. Don't go kick it and, and bat, bite and gossip it about it. Don't say, ah, I wonder where Tommy was this week. Tom, Tommy Wall was this week. No, no, that's not a shepherd. That's a false shepherd. A true shepherd will go after the diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. There's a list of things they didn't do that they should have done. They should have strengthened the diseased. They should have healed the sick. They should have bound that which was broken. They should have brought back those who were driven away. They should have found, looked for those that were lost, but they didn't. Instead, the sheep were scattered because there is no shepherd, just hirelings. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep, God says, my sheep wandered through the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And believe me, I think if God had a message if Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of our souls, had a message for many shepherds today, it would be this, I'm against the shepherds. And I will require my flock at their hand. James tells us, look here for a second. James says, my brethren, be not many masters. Don't get too excited about wanting some position. He said, because you shall receive the greater condemnation. And the scriptures tell us right here, I will require my flock at their hand. Every Christian leader will be expected to answer for the sheep that he is meant to be caring for. And cause them to cease from feeding the flock, neither will the shepherd feed themselves anymore. For I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. In verse 11, look at this. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. Because he's the good shepherd. He'll go looking for his sheep. As a shepherd that seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek, out, seek them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture. And upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord. I will seek that which was lost, and bring again that which was driven away. And will bind up that which was broken, strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Jesus is our example for what a shepherd ought to be. We find it here. 
this is what we find. Visit the sheep. That's what we read in 1 Peter 2. You were a sheep going astray, but now are you returned unto the shepherd of your soul, shepherd and bishop of your soul. The shepherd not only feeds the sheep and visits and knows his sheep, but he guards the sheep. Can I just say to you, a shepherd, a pastor, whatever title, bishop, elder, whatever word you want to use, is no good if he does not guard and warn the sheep. No good. What kind of a shepherd is he if he sits back and he counts all the sheep? Nine, uh, 100 sheep all present tonight. Oh, look, there's a lovely little wolf tonight. Look at him come in. Come on in. What kind of a shepherd would he be as he watched the wolf devour his flock? You say he's a lousy shepherd. Or if he turns and runs when he sees a wolf. That's what many shepherds, false shepherds do today. But we're told Paul, the apostle Paul, gave us this exhortation. He said in the book of Acts, he was speaking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 31. And he said, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I warned you. I warned you that there'd be wolves coming in, sheep's clothing. I warned you that even from your own selves would the false prophets arise. I warned you. I was with you for three years and day and night I warned you because a faithful shepherd is constantly warning the sheep saying, hey, I know you're enjoying yourself now. You're comfortable. You're eating nice grass and you're, you're laying beside still waters. You're having, everything's fine now, but I'm telling you there are, there are wolves out there. And they're coming. Some people say, oh, you get a little too excited and too intense and calm down a little bit. The job of a shepherd is to, he's got to warn as well. Warn of false doctrine. Warn of, of wolves and warn of, of pitfalls and traps. We looked at the warnings of Jesus Christ, the warnings of the New Testament a couple of years ago, and there were so many warnings in the New Testament that are given out of love to us. Warnings are not unkind and cruel. They're given out of love. My children get sick of warnings. I'm sure yours do as well. You know, before they go out, hold on now. Listen, be careful now. Hold on. Or, 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 or now look, be careful. Some people aren't good influences. I know, Dad, I know. But now be careful. Listen, don't. You can't just trust anybody. I know. Well, my girls, believe me, I have a very strong, clear conversation. Don't you ever let anyone touch you. You hear me? And boy, I tell them very plain. I warn them because I love them. I love them. Ezekiel chapter 3, we're told the same thing. Verse 17, again, Ezekiel speaking of, of this matter of shepherds. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman. I, I love this passage. He's talking to the prophet. I've made thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. A true leader of the flock will warn the people of God because he's heard it from God himself. An under-shepherd hears it from the great shepherd, and he echoes that cry. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not a warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Did you get that? Look here. God said this. You better make sure that when I tell you and I warn you, you better make sure you warn them. Because if you don't warn them and they die in their sins, their blood is on your hands. That's serious. That's the way God looks at shepherds. Pastors. 
If you do not warn them like I've told you to warn them and they die in their sins, their blood is on your hands. Because I told you to talk to them. Yet if thou warn the wicked and he turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Shepherd, sometimes, shepherd will warn, and people say, ah, heard that a million times. But at least the warning's been given. And I'm free. Paul said, I'm free from the blood of all men. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. Twice, delivered thy soul. The shepherd has a huge accountability to guard and to warn. Paul said the same thing to the Corinthian church. Then we'll move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 14. The apostle Paul said this very plainly. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. I'm not trying to hurt you, Paul says, when he was warning them. But he did it as their, as their beloved father, as a shepherd. As a shepherd. These are the marks, some of the marks, of what a New Testament shepherd, pastor, ought to have, ought to do. Not just the title, not just a fancy title, pastor. It's a title full of meaning, full of intentionality. And you, my friend, you and I each have a shepherd. The great shepherd of our soul is Jesus, should be Jesus Christ. I stood at the grave Monday and I said to them, every one of you are following somebody. Who are you following? And many of them hung their head in shame. They wouldn't look me in the eye because they knew they were not following Christ. They were not following the Savior. Who are you following? Who are you following? Paul wrote and said, speaking of some, the, the, the Cretans, that their God is their belly. Meaning they follow themselves. Follow themselves. We have a great shepherd. And the scriptures promised, God promised that he would give his sheep shepherds after his own heart. That's what we're looking for. And by the way, no matter where you go to worship, that should be what you're looking for. Those who are leading are those who, who are trying to lead after the pattern given by Christ our Lord and Savior. Men have different personalities. People have different gifts and strengths. But a shepherd, a pastor ought to follow these things. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When the Lord is your shepherd, you'll never lack for anything. Never. Men, husbands, fathers, if the Lord is your shepherd, your chief shepherd, he will help you to be the shepherd you ought to be in your own home. The shepherd that you ought to be to your own family. Each one of us have that responsibility. And may the Lord guide us. Today, tonight, maybe you're here and you've never been born again. You're lost. You're dead in your sins. Can I just tell you just briefly? You are following, you don't even realize it, but you are following darkness. You're following the, the current of this world, and you are being pulled to destruction. He leadeth me, the Bible says, in paths of righteousness, he restoreth my soul. But if you're not following the great shepherd of our soul, then your soul is being destroyed. Day by day it's being destroyed. And all that has to happen before you are ultimately 
cast into the lake of fire for eternity, all that has to happen is for you to stop breathing. So I urge you, look to Jesus, the great shepherd of our soul. Christian, hold tight to his hand. Keep your eyes upon the Savior. Don't lose sight of the Savior. It's a frightening thing if you've ever lost sight of a child when you've been out in the streets or in a shopping center, and it's a frightening thing. Paxson was with me today. I was going to a couple of building uh, places looking for some things. We were in B&Q, and, and uh, I went one way around an aisle. He went another way. And uh, I walked around the aisle. He had turned, he turned again trying to find me, and, and for a few seconds I couldn't see him and he couldn't see me. His heart was beating faster than it had ever beaten by the time I found him. It's a frightening thing to lose sight of the shepherd. Well, that's the way we ought to feel about losing sight of the Savior. Walking close to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the under-shepherd, those who lead in the church, their one responsibility is to help us walk closer to the shepherd, the great shepherd of our souls. We are failing. Leaders in the church are failing if their desire is to get people to follow them. The desire ought to be to get people to follow the Savior. That's what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Would you bow your head with me, please, and we'll pray and then sing our final hymn. Father, we give thanks that you have provided for us the great shepherd of our souls. We praise thee that we can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life forever. Help us, Lord. We pray, Father, for our church, our own church family, for those who lead. And we pray, Lord, that you might give us shepherds after thy own heart. We think about those who work amongst the children and the teens. Lord, give us people who have the heart of Christ. As we look over the teenagers and children, the young people, give us, we pray. I pray for our own fathers and husbands in this church, that they might look after their family instead of thinking their family is there to serve them. May they be the shepherds that they ought to be to lead their own families to the Savior. Help me, Lord, I pray. Guide us as a church. We thank thee for Jesus, our Savior, our great shepherd. It's in his name we pray. Amen.